This is Deadly Choices Radio, a show dedicated to discussing and educating all health matters and making deadly choices. Health from our mob to our mob for all our mob. All the latest DC news and events. Good health for all our mob. This is Deadly Choices Radio. Hey, you mob, Brooke Carson with you for Deadly Choices Radio. Before we kick it off with this jam-packed episode, I'd like to acknowledge our elders, past and present. I'd like to acknowledge the country I'm broadcasting from today and the country you're listening from. So let's get into Deadly Choices Radio. With me in the studio today is Tanisia Walker and Matthew Gordon from IUIH Dental Services to put the spotlight on oral health. Plus, Olympic weightlifter Brendan Wakeling is here to yarn all things healthy lifestyles and aspirations. Hey, welcome to our dental team. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves, your mob and your role? Yeah, so my name is Tanisia Walker. I'm an oral health therapist at at 6 Brisbane. I work down at the Logan Clinic and my mob are Wooly Wooly and Waka Waka people. My name's Matthew Gordon. I'm a new knuckle man. I was born and raised here in Brisbane and I am a dental prosthetist at at 6 Brisbane. Amazing. Well, thank you guys both so much for joining me today on Deadly Choices Radio to yarn about oral health. Um, It is oral health week, I believe. Um, So why did you choose this as your career path? Um, For me, I think I was out of high school, wasn't really doing anything. Did a traineeship up at At Six and as a dental assistant and I really loved it. I loved working for community, for my mob and I wanted to do something more. So went down to Sydney, got my degree and now I'm back as an oral health therapist. Awesome. Yeah, I worked in dental for over sort of uh, over five years before I decided to go and do my degree Um, and it was a lot of the chronic illnesses that affect um, our First Nations people, such as diabetes and stuff, really affect your oral health. And a lot of people have significant tooth loss from these um, conditions. And so one of the things I really liked doing was replacing people's smile and giving back confidence. And so that's what really drew me to this position. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing that. Um, what do you love about your role? I know you mentioned you love working with mob, but, you know, working with ASICs as well, you know, what do you love so much about it? I guess in my role specifically, it's about preventing diseases. So I work a lot with the children. I love the children. I love working with them. Um, you know, showing them the proper oral hygiene, doing all the preventative things, um, And, yeah, it's very rewarding and, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I'm on the opposite end of the scale, really. I deal with a lot of the older patients because I uh, deal with dentures mostly and so I get to hang out with the oldies all day (laughs) and have a good yarn and that's what I really liked about it was uh, not only what I could give back to the community but also spending time with the elders and soaking up everything I could from them. Yeah, and it's awesome to have you both on then, to have yeah. that two different sides because I have yeah. questions for both as well, you know, what's more specific to the little kids mm-hmm. and, you know, our elders too. But before we get to that, what does a typical day look like for you both, you know, when you're in the office and working with your patients? So for me, I see about seven to ten patients a day. It's about doing all the checkups, the cleans, we do fillings as well, preventative fissure sealants. Um and yeah. And then once Tanisha's made a nice solid foundation for me, mm-hmm. if they need any sort of removable prosthetic devices, mm-hmm. she can send them on over to me and then I can start the process with them. Okay, cool. So you guys work together yeah. and yeah. I see a lot of the old patients I see, I'm seeing um, all the old auntie and uncles. I um, 
do periodontal, non-surgical periodontal therapy, which is basically when they're losing the bone around their teeth, I sort of help prevent that. But if it's gone too far, that's when we refer to Matt and he sort of replaces those teeth with removable Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the grin. And how can Mob access your services too? So as long as they are a patient at one of the at six clinics within the past two years, it makes them eligible for all the other allied services that we have in the uh, health centre as well. So that includes the dental, optom, podiatry, all of those um, are now sort of accessible to the community once they come in and use the medical centre. Yeah, cool. Okay, thank you. And onto our oral health as well. What is so important about oral health, like, you know, the basics? I think a lot of people don't realise that oral health is connected to everything in the body, you know. It can cause... it can. There's a connection between, you know, periodontal disease, which is the disease of the bone around the teeth, to, like, cardiovascular disease and stuff like that. And also with diabetes, that's a huge thing that can um, affect the bone around the teeth. So it's it's actually a very um, important... And a lot of people just don't realise that, mm. yeah, um, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, like 99% of the stuff that goes into our body has to go through our mouth mm -hmm. yeah. and so anything that we put into our mouth is also affecting us systemically so it's going to affect the rest of your body as well. Yeah wow it is I think so important today as well on DC Radio to acknowledge it as well and bring mm -hmm. light to it because I think it does go very unnoticed and I think something that I see myself do as well is like you know they say go for a regular checkup but I think people yep. kind of think well if nothing's hurting then yeah, I'm fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then yes. it's like, I don't have an ache, so I don't have to go, you yeah. know, and I know I do that too sometimes, but then you go and they're like, oh no, you actually need like this, this, this and this. Yeah. yeah. You need yeah. to do this more. No yeah. General yeah. awareness around um, just getting a, a six month checkup yeah. and also having the professional clean Cleans, done by many yeah. because there's areas in our mouth, no matter how good you brush, it's you're just not going to be able to clean. Yeah. 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 I find that too. Like some people, you know, like they brush twice a day, they floss everything mm -hmm. like that and they still will get picked up on things. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah, that exactly. like misconception. Yeah. And that brings me to what are the common misconceptions that you both see? Yeah, I think one of the common misconceptions is be that if you are brushing every day that everything's going to be fine. Um, we're not really taught from a young age to look after our mouth as we're taught to look after the rest of our body as well. A lot of people don't floss um, and Flossing is one of those things that people, I think, look at. Just forget. Yeah, they yeah. forget they, about they it. They look at it as a chore. A lot of my <laughs> patients, they're like, you have to start flossing. They're like, oh, but do I have to? And it's like, at least do it a few times a week. Yeah. You don't have to do it every day. But if you're doing it a few times a week, it's better than nothing. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. And also, a lot of people think that if they haven't, if they're not flossers and then they start flossing... They notice some bleeding yeah, in the gums. Yeah, I see that a lot, yeah. yeah and so people think if their gums are bleeding, they're like, oh, I should just stop bleeding. I mean, <laughs> stop brushing, sorry. Yeah. Um, but no, if it's bleeding, that means you have to brush better. You have to brush the more thorough. It just means your gums. I say this to the kids. Your gums are just a little bit angry because you're not cleaning them. That's, <laughs> That's a good it. way. I'm going to use that on my little yeah. brother. He, he has poor hygiene. Um, and yeah, he always gets told to floss. Yeah. But I remember doing that when I was little too. I would floss and I'd start bleeding. I'd be like, no. Yeah. I don't want it, it hurts too much, yeah. like I just stop flossing. Mm -hmm. But no, that's really good to know, I think, for like little jargons too. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And technique as well, because you can cause damage from flossing. 
Yeah. Um, if you sort of floss too vigorously, even you can, brushing, people yes, brush and brushing too hard, as well, and it can oh. cause a lot of damage. You're only supposed to use the smallest bit of pressure on your teeth and your gums because you don't want to get away that soft stuff you come to the dentist and we get off the hard stuff and that's when we go in with a thorough clean um and yeah yeah definitely that's a lot more in depth than I would have ever really known um but what are the common diseases and issues you do see in mob when it does come to oral health so especially in the Logan area it's a low socioeconomic area we see, I see a lot of children with um like dent early de- it's called early childhood caries it's basically a lot of disease on their um a lot of caries on their primary dentition their deciduous teeth and that's very hard to manage even though those teeth are going to fall out once a lot of the time I see like four or five-year-old kids that have all these holes and it's like they need these teeth until they're at least like 12, you know? And there's yeah. also the misconception that, oh, they're going to fall out anyway, yeah. so it's fine if they've got a hole but in it. No. But um, it can actually it can affect of, the development yeah. of your adult teeth. It can. Yeah, and if wow. we have to take teeth out, you can get like all these crowding, you can get shifting and it just, it makes a, it's like a lifelong thing yeah. that you're going to have to deal with if you're not looking after your teeth from a young age. And it sets in a bad habit mm-hmm. from a young age if you sort of are just letting a child think that, oh, if a part of your body starts rotting, that's okay. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah, that's so interesting. I would never thought of that Mm. too. Like, yeah, it's so good to know, I think, for parents as well, that, like, yeah, they need to go. Yeah, (laughs) straight away when you see something. If you had a sore on any other part of your body, you would go to the doctor to see about it. But for some reason people see a hole in a tooth and they... They They're think like, that oh, it's that's all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that is like so fascinating. I never would have thought of it in the way too of like children then are yeah. okay with like, oh, well, and what a lot of people okay. don't realise is it's preventable. You can prevent this from happening from your regular checkups, from doing cleaning, brushing, brushing twice a day, flossing. It's all preventable. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah as a dental prosthetist, a lot of the things that I hear as well um, is that you lose your teeth from mm-hmm. ageing you don't actually lose your teeth from (laughs) ageing. You can have all of your teeth right up until the day that you die if you're looking after them well enough. Yeah, Yeah, another good thing to know Mm because I feel like that is a huge misconception. It's like, oh, your teeth fall out. Yeah, in our community we feel as, as, um, or we think that when you get older, getting dentures is just something that you do, something that happens. But if you are looking after your teeth from the get-go, you can keep them forever. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And what are the signs of poor oral health as well that you would look for? So we look for red gums, that's gingivitis. If there are gums, I know they're not brushing well enough. Um, We take x-rays every other six or 12 months and we look for dental decay. The things you can't see, it's like in between the teeth and that's when you're not flossing. That's where you get those sort of decays. Um, Plaque, a lot of plaque, like a lot of that soft plaque on your teeth. Calculus, not really, because you can, even if you're brushing twice a day, you can get that hard plaque on your teeth. But, um, yeah. And even just things like um, smells from the mm. mouth can be an indication that something's going wrong or that maybe you're not um, brushing properly, you're not flossing enough. But uh, any sort of odours that come from the mouth as well can also be a sign that something's going on. Mm. Yeah. And isn't that a sign too of um, other health Issues too. Correct. Diabetes. A lot of the time with people with diabetes, you have that sweet, you have that sweet smell coming from your mouth, and that's diabetes. Yeah, and it can be something more systemic rather than just something happening in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. When you do get sort of smells and everything coming from the mouth, um, it may not be just coming from the oral cavity. It It could be coming from deeper. Yeah. Gastrointestinal. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It can come from anywhere. 
Wow. And so what are the differences between children's oral health and adults? So in adults, you see a lot of the periodontal disease, especially with the old aunties and uncles if they've had diabetes. So two things that are big risk factors for periodontal disease is smoking and diabetes. And you see with a lot of those patients, the old ones, they have the wobbly teeth, they have the the teeth look long because of the the bone um, loss. But with kids, they look a lot healthier. But you know, I've I've even had teenagers that come in and they say they smoke, and it's like. You know, your teeth are healthy now, but in the 10 years from now, they're not going to look like this. So in the younger ones, you see a lot more of the healthy type of like gingiva and teeth. Um, But yeah. Yeah. And with uh, children's oral care, um, the maintenance isn't as high when Mm -hmm. you sort of get to, you know, 12, 13, when we're getting, when we've started to basically have all of our adult teeth come through. You really need to start flossing a lot more when you're younger. Your teeth aren't so close together. They have little gaps in between. So the brush is able to get into those gaps and remove all the plaque and food. When we get older and we get our adult teeth, they're usually much closer together and nothing will go in between. So that's when you really need to pick up on the flossing. Yeah, okay. And, you know, with the disease too that you mentioned with smoking and stuff, is Mm -hmm. there other factors that lead to it? There's definitely a lot of other factors. Genetic is a major factor as well. Um, It can also just be your oral hygiene. Like people who never smoke don't have diabetes, but their oral hygiene is just not the best. They can also get it. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of different factors that can... um, make can cause periodontal disease and gingivitis is kind of your warning bell yeah. for that oh, okay. beginning gingivitis is the start of periodontal your disease bleeds, your gum bleeds and so if you notice that when you touch your gums or when you're brushing that there is blood um, then that's a sign that you've got the gingivitis Oh, and then the, what periodontal disease is, it's the chronic infection. So gingivitis is just the acute infection. It can, you can get rid of it. But the chronic infection is periodontal disease and you can't get rid of it. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. It's just about maintaining it. Yeah, okay. And, and that's when you come every six months for a clean and stuff like that. Okay. And what is the uh, process after, like, if you kind of pick up on this, then where do the patients go from there So the disease? We, I book them back in with me. A lot of the time with these patients, we have to numb them up to clean because I'm going really deep under the gums, close to the bone and stuff like that, so I can be very sensitive. So book in a few cleans, and then I like to see them six weeks after, do a review, see how they're going with their brushing, see how their gums are healing after the clean, and then another three months, and then that's when I would probably do another um, deep clean as well. Okay, yeah. And yeah, Tanisha is on the... all about prevention, yeah. so she's also wanting to check up that the patient is doing yeah. their part as well because yeah. we can, we can I can go in so and much. clean do everything but if they're not brushing and they're not doing the work that we can't yeah 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 and I think it's important too that we talk about like sugars and mm-hmm. those foods and drinks that yeah. you know deadly choices is very um built on that foundation mm-hmm. of cutting these things out alcohol and what they do as well to not only your health but especially oral health mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about those things so when you have sugary stuff, it causes sort of like an acid attack in your mouth and it causes the pH to go really... The pH of you... Because there's always going to be a pH in your mouth and it goes really acidic and that's what causes those the, your teeth to become soft and that's what causes the decay. And, you know, having that constant acid attack. We say snacking, limit snacking. Um, 
because if you're snacking all the time, you're eating all the time, then you're going to have those constant acid attacks. With soft drinks, obviously, if you're just sipping on a soft drink, that's still bad. Um, but we do, like, you know, not everyone's going to give up soft drink, even though yeah. we would love them too. <laughs> we say just have them with meals. That's the best time because you're, you're, the acidic in your mouth is already down when you're eating. So if you're having the soft drink, it doesn't cause as much of a... Um, and have a glass of water after, after. you yeah. have some soft drink. Yeah. Have a glass of water just to rinse all of that out of your mouth because when the sugar has mixed in with your saliva, it then stays in your mouth and, and coats your teeth and stays there for a longer oh, okay. period of time. Um, and so rinsing your mouth out can just really help. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a myth, but when I was young I heard as well to drink as much as you can from a straw. Yes. Even water? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it just bypasses um, a lot of people with soft drink because it is a fizzy drink. Yeah. Um, uh, people become swishers. What do I call a swisher? Yeah. <laughs> so you put the drink in and then you swish it all around your mouth because it bubbles up. Yeah. Um, but you're also just, yeah, swishing that sugar everywhere yeah. and getting it everywhere. Getting so it all in between the two. Sucking with the straw yeah. just sort of bypasses that and it goes straight down. So, yeah, yeah. that can definitely help. Yeah, okay, good. That's another good thing to note down. But what are the differences, if there are any, in um, Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people when it comes to oral health and just genetics and our mm-hmm. gums? Well, because, you know, Aboriginal people, we are very prone to getting um, diabetes. And, you know, we get it very young compared to, like, the non-Indigenous population. So, you know, that's that already predecessor for um, periodontal disease. Um, also, I've noticed that Indigenous people, we have stronger bone. So when I'm trying to take a tooth out of like a baby, (laughs) if I'm trying to take a tooth out of a kid, I'm like, you know, it's very hard compared to like when I was in uni and I was doing it on like non-Indigenous children. We're all hard-headed. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, so the oral hygiene regime is not really that different from Aboriginal people to Caucasian people or any other people, but the chronic illnesses that we suffer from... um, play a massive, massive. role yeah. on how that affects our oral cavity and the health of it. Yeah, I feel like we touched a lot on that today too yeah. and how it all we are one system and it all works together pretty yes. much. But what are your overall tips, advice around maintaining healthy gums and teeth and, um, you know, for parents too out there mm-hmm. with little ones? So I see a lot of time in patients, they just they always brush in the morning before they leave the house best time to brush if you only go on a brush one time a day it's at night time before you go to sleep because when you go to sleep your saliva reduces and that buffering the saliva sort of buffers that sort of acidic um, bacteria in your mouth um, but when that's reduced the bacteria just cause havoc on all your teeth so brushing at night is the best time to brush flossing before you brush as well and a swish and spit method so don't when you spit out the toothpaste, don't rinse with water or a mouthwash. Keep that toothpaste sitting on your teeth. It causes it's, it's the best. Because just to like do. Um, it's very, it's similar to when you have your soft drink. If you don't rinse your yeah. mouth out, all that sugar's just sitting on mm-hmm. your teeth. It's the but same you with want your that toothpaste. toothpaste. You want that toothpaste to stay mm-hmm. on your teeth. At least don't drink or eat or don't drink water or anything until at least thirty minutes after you brush. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's similar to like when you go to the dentist and they put it on and they, they yeah. leave they it there. Like, yeah, they tell you like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it all makes sense. It's pretty much so you the can same do thing. it at home. Yeah. 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 Oh, Matthew, do you have anything you want to add? Um, for From my side tips? of things, I really, um, bone levels for me are very important because when people come to see me and they need a denture or something like that, we really need the bone levels to be as sort of high as they can so that we've got a stable. Uh, landscape to place the denture onto. 
if they've had chronic perio disease for many years, um, it actually eats away at the bone. And so then I have a very flat landscape to yeah. work with and uh, um, there's nothing there for the denture to sit on. So it becomes very hard for me to make a device that actually works for the mm -hmm. patient. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you both so much for joining no me worries. on DC Radio today. Thanks I love how passionate us. you both are <laughs> about your roles too. Um, but before you go, I have to ask you, what is your deadly choice? My deadly choice <laughs> is to eat healthier. I am, oh, no. yeah. People who work in dental, we're really good for telling you what to not put in your mouth and what to put in your mouth, yep. and then we're the worst people for following our own directions. <laughs> for me, I think it's water, I'm just drinking a lot of water. Yeah. That's something I struggle with, but I need to at least get two litres a day. Yeah, so, so taking your own advice, yes. really, yes. from both yes. of you. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to having you on again later in the year. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke. <laughs> Hello. Our Moblink team are working hard to keep our people connected and cared for. The team can help you with connecting you to COVID care, linking you to health services and social services, and connecting you to support for mob affected by hardship. Moblink is available seven days a week from 7am to 7pm and is staffed by a deadly team of intake officers, nurses, doctors and social workers from across South East Queensland. If you need assistance or support, contact Moblink on 1800 254 354. A message from the Institute for Urban Indigenous Health. Station sponsor. Yeah.
tips from our mob to our mob. I'm back with Olympic weightlifter and Deadly Choices ambassador Brandon Wakeling. Brandon, how have you been? I've been good. Um, nothing really goes, you know, deviates too far out of the norm for me in training. So lifting heavy weights, doing work for DC, and that's about it. Yeah, nice. And what about your work for DC? You know, what does that entail for you? Well, for those that, well, I'm obviously an ambassador for Deadly Choices, but alongside that, I'm also working in the comms team as well. So as someone that went to university and studied and got a degree in marketing, I try to not put all my eggs in one basket of being an athlete. So I like to try pursue my professional career at the same time. So a bit of a juggling act, but that's how I like it. Yeah, juggling act um, with home as well, your dad now too. So how do you balance that lifestyle? Coming from a place where I've had no balance and I used to train, you know, twice a day, every day without any real fulfillment outside of that now that I get to work with DC and also have a daughter who's just shy of 16 months old now I find it a lot better having that balance and it's a lot less stressful just thinking about weightlifting all the time and I feel like I'm not trapped in my own little bubble if that makes sense yeah nice and you know what exciting things do you have coming up with deadly choices in your own life you know what's exciting well, for DC at the moment, uh, when we're talking from an ambassador standpoint and with comms, for me, everything on the horizon is all about our DC partnership with Queensland Academy of Sport and the Australian Olympic Committee, where we've partnered up to launch eight events uh, starting from here, going all the way up through Queensland, where we're having community days paired with the Queensland Academy of Sport sport testing. So it's just a good opportunity for Mob to go test out their skills, see if they might like to try any other sporting endeavours outside of what they're doing, and then they might find themselves, if they, say, test well enough, get support to then transition into other sports, essentially in pursuit of the 2032 Olympics, which is obviously getting held in Brisbane. So if we can beat, you know, the last Olympics, we had 16 Indigenous represent, uh, representatives, so if we can beat that for the next ones coming up, I think that'll be a job well done. Yeah, awesome. It'd be amazing to have that in, you know, a hometown for us. Um, but 2023, what are your goals for this year? So considering that the, the Paris Olympic Games is next year, for, for, for most Olympic sports, for my one particularly, we have to compete a lot just to qualify and tick all the boxes. So I have to compete at least five times internationally between now and early next year. So... For me, unfortunately, it all falls in Q3, Q4. So I'll be, you know, traveling to India, Qatar, Saudi Arabia. The the list kind of goes on. I can't, I forget how many countries <laughs> I have to go to here, but that's just a few. That's pretty awesome though. Like that's a lot of traveling. So what does your training look like? At the moment, because I'm quite earlier on in my training schedule. So it's a lot higher repetition. So if I'm doing squats, I'm doing sets of seven. If I'm doing snatch clean and jerk, I'm doing, you know, two, three reps at a time. The closer it gets to competition, that's where the reps go down from sevens, six, five, four, three, two, one. And I hit my one rep maxes roughly two weeks before competition. So the body is a lot sore in the higher volume phase with all the reps. So I'm looking forward to it starting to scale down as the weeks go on. Yeah, nice. And I guess, you know, with you mentioned the some of the comps coming up at the end of the year, 
what is your next one? What's the next big one that you'll be training for? The next one, I believe, will be the Pacific Games in the Solomon Islands. So Pacific Games is held every four years. The last one was held in Samoa, which was a really good comp. I won gold at that event. So if I could go there again and then try to recreate that, um, I'll be a happy man. Yeah, nice. And you mentioned the Olympics before. So is the ultimate goal to go back and go to Paris? I have two. Yeah, the, the ultimate goal is to go to the Olympics again and then also aim for a medal at the next Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. So that's still a few years away at least. Yeah. But those are my two main objectives. Nice. And I think we mentioned it before as well, you know, how you balance work life, being an athlete, whilst that, like trying to stay present as well. What about when it comes to these competitions too when you are travelling? You know, how do you maintain a healthy mindset being an athlete and also like you know the mental aspect of being an athlete and being a weightlifter in my earlier competitive years say if you go back to the 2018 commonwealth games when i was training quite excessively training 11 times a week i wouldn't really think of my day-to-day training i was just thinking about the commonwealth games event and that was it and kind of discounting and not really putting enough mental work into the the day-to-day and the week-to-week and when that competition didn't go to plan I mentally took a bit of a hit and since then I've tried to flip the switch where I just focus on my day-to-day week-to-week and if I put the work in once I get to the competition if I miss all my lifts or do well for me it doesn't really matter if I do everything I can in the lead-up and I can be proud of that then I honestly don't care all that much when it comes to competition for me that's just a bonus to do well and just focusing on enjoying the fruits of my labour that I put in prior. Yeah, definitely. So it's that switch in mindset for you. And talk us, a, a, like, through your preparation too, like, when it comes to Olympics, you know, that week or so leading up to it, the day before, you know, what does that look like for you? Do you have special routine or anything like that, some superstitions? Uh, I try to steer away from any superstitions. Um <laughs> I don't want to put a bad performance down to not having my lucky socks with me. I try to let my um, training speak for itself. But for the, if we're talking to just a couple of days leading up, I try to really limit what I'm doing. So I'll train, my last proper training session will be two days out. The day before, I'll just have like a light move around with the bar. But I'll start to cut out any excessive walking, anything that's going to drain my legs. So there'll be a lot of like stretching, moving around with the bar just trying to stay calm and then also making sure that my body weight is 73.0 or under. So I don't cut any excessive weight as I don't believe in doing anything too crazy like that. So, but that is definitely something that I have to keep in check as well. Yeah. And then I guess the next step would be recovery after your events. What does that then look like for you? You know, when you first of all, straight after the event and then when you're home, you know, is it hard to kind of come back down? If we're talking like a milestone, like a major event like Commonwealth Games or Olympics, it's a lot different than just, a say, a club competition you go to because there's a much higher high and then obviously a much lower low because of that. I found after the 2018 Commonwealth Games, I was sick for almost a month afterwards just with wow. like, a, like a common cold. It, it felt like just because yeah. I was so amped up for that event, had such a high and that come down lasted a while. Typically, I will take my training quite easily for the, you know, two, three, four weeks that follow an event like that. Um, 
Yeah, because I put a lot of mental energy and obviously physical exertion into these events. So there is a bit of a come down period. I just, now that I have a family, I just try to, you know, hang out with the family, just do some light bits here and there and kind of ease my way back into it. Yeah, nice. And I think too, with being a professional athlete as well, you know, a lot of interest is in dieting and, you know, what you put into your body. Is that something that you do when you take in or do you kind of just you know do your own thing like what does that look like for you previous to weightlifting i used to do a lot i was a lot stricter with my diet i used to you know train eat purely for aesthetics the way i looked and obviously to help when i played rugby league pre-weightlifting but since starting weightlifting which is a bodyweight sport everyone has to weigh in everyone can see what you weigh i think it kind of desensitizes you to the fact of you know eating and doing these things to focus on the way that you look or how much you weigh. For me, it's just making sure that I'm eating to perform and stay healthy. So making sure that I'm getting enough uh, caloric dense food before and after training just for energy and recovery purposes. And outside of that, you know, making sure that I'm eating all my vegetables, fruits, and just drinking a lot of water. I keep it simple. I I don't like to be too robotic about my diet. Yeah, nice. And I guess another question I have too is in your field or, you know, when you were younger, did you have people that you kind of looked up to that you had, you saw as like a role model in your life or any other professional athlete now that you admire as well? Yeah, there was a few. So I played rugby league for 15 years before weightlifting, starting weightlifting when I was 21 and looking at people like Preston Campbell, Maddie Bowen, because I was one of the smaller people in the field, I'm only five foot six, so pretty much the same height as them. I was quite insecure on the football field, trying to size up to see if I was the smallest one on the field every game. So to see someone like Maddie Bowen, Preston Campbell make that top grade made it feel like it was something that I could pursue if I was good enough and I wasn't going to be, you know, an outcast and be drawn out purely because of my size on the football field. Now, if we're talking currently, um, those similar people obviously um, still apply, but for different reasons. Like Preston Campbell is very beloved in his community for doing a lot of work with community. Same with, say, Petro Sevenesiva. Yeah. More so people that give back outside of their sporting endeavours. I, I don't particularly look at sport the same way as I did back then. Now I kind of admire those that give back. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to look at it. And I think our own ambassadors too, like they give so much especially Pedro he's awesome too I think that's a good shout out for Pedro but on to our ambassadors you know what is your favorite thing about being a Deadly Choices ambassador? Coming from weightlifting and having achieved certain things on paper I never really knew that I had a story to tell until I started being a DC ambassador and started mingling more with community because I was very much in my weightlifting bubble So for me to be able to share the lessons that I've learned and the things that have helped me, you know, when it comes to diet, exercise, mindset, I feel I can really relate to especially the younger um, mob who are looking to become an athlete uh, as they progress through school, potentially into university. So I like to share the things that I'd learned along the way to hopefully provide some value to them. But I also work with obviously the younger community all the way to the elder community as well so it's just a way for me to be able to have more connection with community which is definitely a a fulfilling way to go about being an athlete yeah nice and 
I think too, just what you mentioned as well, is there any tips or advice you want to give to young athletes in general or young athletes that are looking into weightlifting as well as a sport? You know, like what advice do you have for them? If you're looking to do weightlifting, we, we have plenty of clubs, you know, all around the country. Like in Brisbane, for instance, Cougars Weightlifting Club is the biggest in the country in terms of members. There's another four or five within Brisbane City as well. It's a sport, it can seem daunting from the outside looking in. Obviously, putting heavy weights over your head can be scary for those, but we do it in a very methodical way. You don't start with lifting heavy weights straight away. I didn't perform the snatch or the clean and jerk in its entirety for over a month when it came to me starting. So oh, wow. you, you start slow, you, you jump in and you learn as you go. Yeah, nice. And you know, back to DC, what events are you most excited for this year? Is there any you want to give a shout out to, you know, what's going on? Particularly for me, it's it's the Olympic events as that obviously rings true to home. So to see people go out there, you know, have a go at the sport testing, not necessarily to see them, you know, say get scouted to try a new sport because they've done well, but maybe they try something and they enjoy a, a different sport more than they thought they would just to go do something that they thoroughly enjoy through the means of going to these events, I feel is going to be the most fulfilling thing for me to see happen. Yeah, nice. And we're very much looking forward to that and hearing about how that goes. But thank you so much for joining me today, Brendan. Finally, what is your deadly choice? My deadly choice at the moment is making sure that I go to sleep early enough to get eight hours. My daughter at the moment is waking up quite early. She (laughs) woke up at 4.30 this morning. She was just happy and ready to get the day started after a long sleep. So I, I try to make sure I keep some kind of a routine to start calming down, you know, after 7 p.m. and then hopefully in bed by 8. Yeah, nice. It's a good way to go to sleep, I think. I need to take that on too. But thank you so much for joining me today and we'll catch you next time. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Deadly Choices Radio for this week, where we put the spotlight on oral health. So just to recap, our oral health is so important. Um, If you're a little kid, if you're an adult, you know, it's so important to look after our teeth, make sure we're brushing. Um, As the guy said, brushing at night is the most important time to brush. So make sure you jot that down and floss as well. We also called up with Brendan Wakeling today and yarned about his journey as an Olympic weightlifter, his training and what comments he has up next, plus why he loves being a Deadly Choices ambassador. So if you want to learn any more, you can head to the Deadly Choices Facebook or website. Don't forget, Deadly Choices is all about eating healthy, exercising, checking on our mob and leading healthy lifestyles for generations to come. I'm your host, Brooke Carson, a proud Cobble Cobble woman. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week to put the spotlight on the netball with the Firebirds. Deadly Choices Radio. A show encouraging mob to make healthy choices from stop smoking, eating good food, exercising daily and getting a health check for themselves and their family. Featuring Deadly Choices Ambassadors, the Healthy Lifestyle Mob and many more. So tune in to Deadly Choices after 6pm each Wednesday and on demand on AAA Murray Country. Here we go.